The best part about having a 3D printer is you can duplicate the same thing over and over. Just like duplicating this episode's topic, this is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I am your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to episode 48. I will be discussing 3D printing for the home hobbyist again. I am joined by Mike Whitaker. Mike, how are you doing? I'm all right. And I am also joined by itinerant and intermittent host Chris Arnold, a.k.a. Not Jay, on a vidcast series called The Ramble. Yeah, by uh, uh, Rocky's War Room. Um, you can find it on uh, Facebook and uh, on the uh, on the YouTubes. Yes, so now I did have a previous episode and the link will be in the show notes to a discussion I had with Tim Spikowski of uh, our former sponsor uh, Special Artists and Service Miniatures and about 3D printing, kind of kind of generalize, kind of get people familiar with some of the terms and technology used uh, in 3D printing. So I, I thought I'd like to do another episode to get a little bit deeper into things and to talk a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of the technology and how it applies to gaming. And I thought, who better to ask than Mike Whitaker? the the cake snatching thief of old Peterborough town as <laughs> as he was known on the Meeples and Miniatures podcast. So Mike, it has to be asked, uh what what type of cake are you currently eating? I'm not actually. Oh. I, I have I have a mug of tea and and as it is nearly Christmas, I'm holding off on cake as the um the Christmas cake of doom is sitting in the laundry. Um, waiting, waiting, slicing, and on sometime after midnight on Christmas Christmas Day morning. Fair enough. Well, I was looking forward to a lovely slice of panettone, um, and I'll have a I'll have a link in the show notes to why panettone is important to me. But some at some point between the bakery in Italy and my house, the panettone in question went bad. Oh, and that that's a shame. That's very much a shame. And it's acquired. I, I think it's fermented. Like maybe it was undercooked slightly and it fermented slash the eggs went off or something like that. And it's got kind of a, it smelled funny at first. I thought, well, it's just a little fermentation. It's not going to hurt anybody. And I took a taste and it, it it tastes like dish soap or what? Yeah. For, to translate for our, uh, for our uh, imperialist uh, friends across the pond, uh, uh, washing up soap, I believe, is the term. Washing up liquid. Yeah, washing up liquid. There you go. This is what you would call it. So, yeah, not uh, not a pleasant taste, and uh, I had to uh, I had to wash my mouth out with uh, copious amounts of Irish whiskey. So. <laughs> For medicinal purposes. Of course, of course. <laughs> so we're not here to talk about cake when we're not here to talk about Irish whiskey. That's a, those are both topics for another podcast. We are here to talk about 3D printing. And um, Mike, I want to thank you for coming on 
to talk about this because you've been quite vocal about your use of 3D printing from a relatively early stage. I think it's fair to say I talk a good game. <laughs> there, are, there are there are folks in in the community who do an awful lot more printing than I do, but um, mm-hmm. I, I said I, I I do talk about it quite a bit, especially if it winds Hobbsy up. So, um, so I guess what we really need to before we get too far into before we get too far into the three D printing, I just wanted to take a moment, if you don't mind, and talk about the well talk about your departure from the meeples and miniatures podcast if that's all right with you sure um i think neil had a uh i think neil shuck had somewhat of a well you you explain it i guess well uh, when it, it, what it boils down to is it's Neil's podcast, and Neil gets to decide how he wants to do it. And and I think he decided that he wanted slightly fewer presenters of a permanent nature, um, so that there's there's a bit. He, he I think he felt that there were occasionally too many people talking at once, mm-hmm. um, and his call. And I have a podcast, and and Hobbsy's been doing it longer, so one of us has to go. Uh, I've, I say it's it was it was it was good fun. Um, I do miss it. Uh, mostly, I miss it because Neil was Neil is infinitely more organised than I am, which means that he's much better at recording podcasts on a regular basis. Yeah, <laughs> as as those of you who follow mine may have noticed. Well, I I can completely sympathise because the last the last adjective you could apply to this show in the last four months is regular. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, I, Neil, I get Neil, it. Is, Neil is still a good mate. Hobbsy is still a good mate. There's nothing, nothing, nothing bad about it. It's you know, it's Neil's show. He gets to do what he wants. Um, it's not like I say, no, you have to have me on your podcast, right? Well, actually, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. And so you've got your own podcast, The Miller's Tale, mm-hmm. and how has that been going? How how have you found getting back into it? Um, actually, it's been really good fun. Um. Um, I keep getting inspired, as as those of you who do listen may have noticed. It's some bits are slightly shamelessly nicked from meeples in that there's a, a sort of a news section and a what have I been up to section. Uh, I have a little section where I kind of pick out a podcast or a blog or something that interests me, and then there's a sort of what I kind of describe as the ramble at the end. Um, and I've been reasonably well inspired for interesting things to talk about. Um, and also just have the idea of the the cold light at day re- of day reviews, which mm-hmm. I've done one of. Where uh, one of the problems I always have with the reviews that we used to do on Meeples is the game that was in front of us was usually brand new, right? And we'd had no with the best will in the world. In the amount of time you have, you can't you know you might get one playtest game in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured that it might be quite good to do a series of reviews about things that. I've played enough that I know where the bold holes are. So I ain't been shot, Mum. I'll do one for Dux Britannia. I will probably do one for WAB. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's probably a few others. I'll probably do one for uh, the Dan Mersey series, given they all share the same core mechanic. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've played several of those down the club now. And I might eventually, once probably after the next Club Kings of War campaign, I'll do one for Kings of War because I might actually... Have my head around it enough. So there's a few of those coming up, and then obviously, 
I can also do the the more meta things I've done, like you know, discussing concepts in wargaming and concepts in the hobby, which seem to go down quite well. So I'm I'm enjoying yeah. myself. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Warhammer Ancient Battles, and that's a that's a pretty deep cut. That's getting that's getting way back in the still in gaming history. Up. Still going. Well, yeah, we, we we have a couple of people who are still regular web tournament players. Uh, I'm not a fan of tournament web. Uh, it's mm-hmm. one of those games that does seem to get minimaxed a bit. Yeah, um, but it's quite. It, it, I do enjoy it as a as a game to play play with friends and people who aren't trying to win at all costs. Right. It's still, it's still a very good Mass Battles Ancients game. Yeah, and, and I, I got to mention that your your review of IABSM, I ain't been shot, mom. Uh, you know, I appreciate that approach because, like you said, you're you've played it enough that you can see where the holes are, and uh, you know, you you don't get that opportunity very often. And I think one of the things. Well, I guess on one level, I haven't done many reviews because, you know, I unfortunately don't actually game enough to get enough games in of it, anything to review it. And, you know, I've got to be particularly inspired to do a review. I think at this point, I've done two reviews. One was on the Warhammer 40,000 Rogue Trader reprint, and another was on What a Tanker. And, yeah, I, I think that taking a look, uh, as you say, in the cold light of dawn, you know, you've gotten, you've come to grips with it. It might've been a while, uh, you know, and it might be worth, uh, you know, it might, uh, it might inspire folks to go out and check some of these older systems out. And I, I definitely think that's a great approach to take. I certainly have enjoyed every episode of your podcast so far. And I'm well, thank looking you. forward to, I'm definitely looking forward to, to hearing more. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about in the next one, um, other than it won't be railways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I got to say that we definitely share uh, we definitely share a uh, a planning process then, because I have no idea what my next one's going to be about either. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to rashly commit that it will be out by the end of the year. I think. Okay, great. <laughs> Well, TikTok, because uh, <laughs> we're almost down to we're almost down. Well, we are down to single digits at this point, aren't we? Uh huh. You're about eight days. Yeah. So at time of recording. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, so... Mike, I just uh, subscribed to uh, to your podcast, so that'll give me something to listen to. They're all relatively <laughs> short, um, and, and it's one of the things I'm. That's the one. <laughs> uh, there we go. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Really, that, that, there that, you that's go. Back in the days of oh crikey, uh, I need to read stuff. Um, so one of the things I I do do is I've I've tried to keep them under the hour. Um, mm-hmm. Last last week's was actually last time's was actually slightly over, but I don't want to get any longer than that because um, I feel I know I know. Um, some of the Meeple's ones ran on, and some of them were brilliant for doing it, but it doesn't... I, I don't think it works in the context of what I do. I don't think you listen, want to listen to one person talking for three hours. Probably, well, yeah, unless it's an audiobook. But yeah, I I get what you're saying, and I, I strive for about an hour, and sometimes they go long. I know that my... Well, anytime you talk to Henry Hyde, it's going to be long. Uh, hello, Henry. Uh, 
and then uh, my top phase with Dave tend to go long, but I, I do try to keep it to an hour. I think that's the right length. It's the right length for me anyway, and both as a recorder and or producer, whatever term you want to use, and, and as a listener. Because just editing that much content just takes forever. And, uh, but anyway, uh, good luck. You're on episode this five. This will be episode six coming up. Yes. A half dozen for sure. So, well, let's go ahead and uh, start talking 3D printing. We'll shift gears slightly and start talking about what we came here to talk about. Um, whenabouts did you did you get into 3D printing, Mike? And, and what was that? What what pushed you over the edge? What what got you there? Um, what's a good question? Um, the um, I used to work for um, Amazon Instant Video, and one of the things we actually had in the office was a, a 3D printer. I think it was one of the more more reputable makes, um, although although it seemed to forever have a notice on it saying, this printer is not working, please see Jeff, or something like that. <laughs> um, and it always struck me as being that there had to be things you could do within the hobby, in fact, within either of the hobbies, um, involving fabricating stuff in 3D that that doesn't, that, that would expedite the things that you otherwise do with um, resin casting, metal casting, paying Rene or whoever lots and lots of money to do plastics mm-hmm. for those cases where, you know, there's just that you want one of something. And mm-hmm. I, I used to, when I was, my first job after graduation was actually working for the firm that's now um, Unigraphics and makes the Unigraphics 3D CAN system. Um, so I'm, I'm used to 3D design and it's something that's always interested me. And, and the two just sort of, and I thought, you know what, I really ought to get myself a 3D printer at some point. Okay. Yeah, we, uh, well, partially inspired by your example and talking about it at length on, on Meeples and Miniatures and seeing what was, you know, what was available and talking to Tim Spikowski. <clears throat> that's, you know, just kind of made sense for, and we've, we had some, ideas for a project that were going to be relatively terrain intensive. And we decided, you know, making this by hand is going to take an awful lot of time. And what if we just got a 3d printer? So we talked to Tim and Tim happened to have a, a raised 3d N2 for sale and that he had used for his business. And he gave us a price that we couldn't beat. So we we jumped at it, and that's that's still the machine. It's and I I can only imagine it's sitting behind my brother at the moment where he normally sits and podcasts. So is is it printing anything currently, Chris? Uh, no, actually, it's uh, down for repairs. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it it, it had a uh, catastrophic blowout, and I'm going to have to figure some things out on it. But uh, it it should be up back up and running. Hopefully, uh, not into not too distant future. That sounds horribly familiar. My, <laughs> my, mine is currently down. I think because one of the two head, the two vertical head movement rods needs 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 some crud removing of it, and and I've been sufficiently busy with um, 
teenage sons and run up to Christmas and jobs and the like that I haven't had time to just get it out on the kitchen table and spray some WD forty on it, which is <laughs> all it needs. What kind of what kind of rig do you use, Mike? What do you have? Right, I have a CEL Robox, which is not your typical three D printer. Um, mm-hmm. In that, it's probably if you like, it's the Macintosh of the three um, D printing world. And it's not quite a no user serviceable parts inside, but the intent is very much that it's one of these that you buy, plonk on the desk, and it just works. And for the most part, it just works. Mm. Yeah, I, I like it. You have that. a you have a service contract with with CL as an owner, and if you if you have issues, you can raise a ticket with them. Um, and there are things they will let you do under supervision, as in they don't, for example, release the details of how to unblock the head to the general public. But if you get a piece of filament stuck in the head and say, I've got a piece of filament stuck in the head, they will say, here are the instructions to do it. Now you've told us you're doing it, and we've given you the instructions. This doesn't break your warranty, mm-hmm. which is in some ways really good. I'm, I'm not... I'm not as engineeringly savvy as I possibly might be. Um, otherwise, I might have gone for something that's more, you know, more more sort of the Linux of of three D printers. Yeah. But I do like something that basically I can plug in, turn on, and print. Yeah, I for a short time I was uh, following a lot of different three D printing Facebook groups, and eventually I decided to unfollow them because you know the thing's not at my house. You know, I. I have the benefit that since it's at Chris's, I can just, you know, shoot him a URL for something on Thingiverse and tell him, I want 10 of these. (laughs) (laughs) And he just, and and magically it happens. So yeah, magic, magic, right. Hey, Hey, it, it, it fits with uh, Arthur C. Clarke's definition. So it works for me. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Yep. Uh, no, in those a lot of those Facebook groups, if they weren't dedicated to, you know, the Rage 3D, you know, if they were brand agnostic, there was a lot of, you know, hey, I'm having trouble with this fiddly bit, and I've got pr- troubles with this fiddly bit, and, you know, am I putting this together right, and all that, and I thought, you know what, my hobby, you know, uh, a 3D printer for me is a tool toward pursuing my hobby. It. it to me, it's not a hobby in and of itself like it is for these guys. And if it is for those guys, that's great. Good for them. But it's just, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. And the, the only drawback with the Robox from this point of view is it probably is still over a grand. Rather in pounds, than, yeah. Yeah, well, probably and in dollars, even at our pathetic exchange rate at the moment. Um, yeah, 125 last I saw. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> don't! <laughs> not coming to see you guys anytime soon. <laughs> and we may come see you though. <laughs> this is true. So, so you know, it wasn't a cheap printer, um, right? But for that, you do get it's it's a beautiful piece of engineering. Every on the rare occasions I have to take it apart, I do find myself looking at it going, "Cool, somebody had fun building this." It's yeah. not your typical, you know. You can swap the hot end; it's all dangly around cables and stuff. It's very, very nicely, and it's a piece of very nice precision engineering. And it probably is worth the money. And and the fact that I don't have to be a a three D printer engineer to make it even print is 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 to me worth the money. Yeah, I mean we 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 spent some coin on on the Race three D and two as well, and 
we got a pretty significant discount off off retail and, and retail's pretty high. So I mean it's it's getting into decent used car territory. And uh yeah. now is this your first rig or did you start off with something else? No, I started with this. I I, uh, I got a got a half yearly bonus from Amazon and blew it on blew on a free printer. <laughs> I really miss working for Amazon. The bonuses were good. <laughs> now, do you still have that? Uh, do you still have that machine in operation, or it's passed it on? Said, or? Apart from apart from the fact that I need to uh, degunk one of the head rods, it's currently sitting right here above my head. Okay. So, if you if for some reason you wanted to have two projects going at the same time, you could. Uh, no, it's it is the only printer I have. Oh, it's the only one you've got. Yeah, okay. at the moment, I'm. I'm. There's, there's a couple of things I'm told. I very nearly bought a second one mm-hmm. um, a while back, and then, then unfortunately, somebody decided to spend my bonus for me. Oh, <laughs> thank you, dear. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> well, I, I got. I, I have to admit, the uh, my barber shop's owner did give me a nice Christmas bonus. And uh, it's it's just about spent also, but to my shame, hardly any hardly any uh, hobby related purchases have come from those funds. I, I guess you could say I bought the the Lard magazine with it, but you know it's seven and a half bucks. But you know you can't go wrong with that. But uh, indeed, now, <clears throat> the the other thing probably to note about the Robox is that they have just produced an update for it, which allows it to take two spills of filament and a dual head. So you can actually print with two different filaments, which is going to be really handy. Mm-hmm. Well, Are... The obvious two things you can do, you can print in two different colours, mm-hmm. but more usefully, you can make the second second filament an, an alcohol-dissolvable or water-dissolvable sport filament. Oh which makes yeah! Clean out your prints so much easier. Oh yeah, that's that is fascinating. Um, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the approach they actually recommend for your second reel is get a reel of some one of the uh, I think Polymaker do a do a dissolvable filament that either dissolves in alcohol or acetone or some not acetone dissolves in alcohol or water or something, and essentially mm-hmm. you can it means you can do complicated things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do because you can't get in to clean the supports out. Right. Oh, that's fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, you'll have to, if you do that, let let us know because ours is, isn't ours capable of a second head? It is second head capable, yes. This is, but I have to send it back to, as being a, a no usable, serviceable parts inside printer, <clears throat> they, do, they do provide a kit that you can do it yourself but I mm-hmm. think for my peace of mind, I will probably send it back to CEL and say, can you give me the dual head kit and give it a good service while you're at it? Um, and it, I think which would probably be worth the extra £100 to, to do it. Yeah. Um, but How big is your print area on that machine? That, that's a good question. Let me dig out the specs on the printer and I'll tell you. It's <laughs> about 8 inches by 6 inches by 4 inches. Okay. So, so you can get some good size stuff. It's enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you get... Um, we built a ship for one of our games for Salute this year, which I had to build in two halves, because mm-hmm. it, it literally two halves across the diagonal. But for for most things you might want to do, certainly in fifteen mil scale, it'll it'll fit. Okay. 
the whole thing is only um, 14 inches by 14 inches square by 10 inches high, so it's it's oh, quite nice. quite small and cute. Yeah, it, it's not not much bigger than a laser printer then. Yeah, I, I could pr- put four of those in the raised 3D. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's massive. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, see, it's I'll, a... I'll actually provide you provide. They're, they're quite fun. They provide this thing called Root, which is a little Raspberry Pi thing, which changes the Robox from being a USB-driven printer to a Wi-Fi-driven printer. And then they provide, uh, I think it's called the Tree, which allows you to stack four or five of them. Oh, uh, and and the the custom software they provide for talking to it will then talk to all five, and you can manage multiple jobs in parallel. And, and it's all very. If you're into production for a for, for possibly more commercial means, or or you're managing a farm of rapid prototyping for engineers, that kind of thing, then that'll be really cute. But I can't justify the space or the money. Certainly, yeah, yeah. That's that would be cool. Um, now, what slicing software do you use, and how did that become? become your choice i don't get a choice <laughs> oh okay there you go <laughs> cal provide this management software called automaker which basically talks to your printer handles sending it g-code for those rare occasions when you need to move the heads or do odd things like warm up the heads to clear out rubbish um but for the most part you basically drop drop stl files on the on the on the sample graph on the graphic of the bed, move them around till they all fit. Hit go, and it runs a slightly modified version of Cura, as I understand it, which you get some tweaking to, but not as much as if you were using all the software knobs on Cura itself. So it will allow you to play with play with layer thickness and initial temperature and stuff like that, and you can you get some control over supports. And that kind of thing, but not as much as Cure itself would give you. So, if you actually want to do really clever things with sports, uh, it's almost better to actually design those in yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Chris, I'm going to say we like I actually do anything with this thing. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> what are what are we using? Remind me. Uh, we use it's uh, the software that comes with the printer, and it is called Idea Maker. And it is it is dead easy to use. Um, I I haven't really gone into being able to tweak settings uh, other than you know make it bigger, make it smaller, rotate it around that type of thing, the object. Um, but I haven't gone into tweaking you know the the speed at which the filament comes out or uh, anything like that. So. Um, that's uh, you know I was wanting to just get a good grasp of setting stuff up, and then I was going to start looking into mm-hmm. tweaking because I know I've seen several um, several uh, YouTube videos where you can get near lineless um, prints, but there's a lot of tweaking you have to do uh, to your settings to make that happen. So. Once we're back up and running, and I get a couple more, a um, couple other things that we're wanting to get done done, I'm gonna, I'm, I may look into start uh, doing that to see a what can be done with Idea Maker in those settings, and B, how much longer does it take to do these things, and is it worth the effort? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's, I guess you could say one of the drawbacks to a, uh, the, the filament type printers, the, you know, additive printers like that is that they do at, at some level, they, they've, they do have some lines on there and sometimes there's some artifacts from the, <clears throat> from from the process but i gotta say you know we put together that what a tanker table for recruits with uh 3d printed buildings Mm -hmm. and i gotta say you know once you get three feet away you you don't notice them yeah you you know get some paint on there and for train pieces i think it's really good um i think if we were going to be for whatever reason printing our own tanks or our own miniatures that would be kind of bothersome, I think. Um, but for terrain pieces, I, I don't think it's going it, to, I don't think we're ever going to have an issue with that. The way, the way I work around um, layers in terrain pieces is I quite often build, when I'm building buildings, they're hybrid in that I build the, sh- I 3D print the shell and the roof is actually um, plastic card tile sheets. Oh, that's handy. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if I could be bothered to figure out how how to do it, I could build, I could 3D print a pantile sheet laying flat, and then mm-hmm. stick it on. The other problem, I don't know if you've discovered this, but um, PLA is an absolute swine to glue. <laughs> well, I what I glued, what needed to be glued on on our project, um, I used a construction adhesive called uh, Power Grab from Loctite. And granted, a lot of this, you know, I, I kept the buildings where you could remove the, the levels because they've got a detailed interior. I didn't paint the details, of course, because, you know, you know, it's tank game. You're not going to be going in the via, in the building. But uh, no, I used power grab and it worked fine. And yeah, um, yeah, PLA. Let's see. Everything, actually, everything I've glued together is with PLA. Nope, Those uh, nope. moisture I've evaporators. I've come across Power Grab before. I'm bookmarking that. <laughs> um, yeah, Loctite, Loctite Power Grab. Loctite 403. I think it's 403. It's one of the one of the super glues range. Okay, yeah, the gel. Uh, it's yeah, it's a gel, but it's a it's a subtly different. No, it's yeah, 403. It's a high viscosity low quotes high viscosity low bloom. Um, gel and that seems to work but um most of the others don't Mm -hmm. Um, yeah tim tim recommended uh loctite uh gel super glue looks like 403 seems to work that's so that's stuff i use okay but i shall i shall certainly take a look at power grab um as one of the things i found we we it was the devil's own job getting the plastic card to stick to the roofs for the Italian buildings I built. So anything that makes that easier is fine by me. Yeah, if you can't find it, uh, let me know, and I'll see about sending you a tube because, you know, technically not a liquid. <laughs> former employers do appear to stock it. Well, there you go. Although it's not cheap. But, what but is- it lasts a long time. Yeah, um, it's it's little dabble, do you? Yeah, uh, where are we? Um, seven and a half ounce pressure pack um, of the order of forty bucks. Ouch! Oh, yeah, ouch! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we. I basically find someone else who stocks that. That's a bit. Pre- 
Yeah, see if we can't uh, scrounge some up at uh, the local Walmart and uh, get it over to you. Even with shipping, it'd be less. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's, I have several, that's insane. I have several Tame Americans visiting at the beginning of February, so I shall place an order. Yeah. Yeah, have them bring a couple um, Ace Hardware, True Value Hardware, uh, Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, all these all these stores that you might have seen in passing whizzing by as you've visited us here in the states uh they've they've got them it's you know it's a cheerful blue packaging just like the rest of loctite stuff just with the rest of the adhesives so yeah power grab ask for it by name and it it has the added benefit of as it dries and cures it actually shrinks up a little bit um so really, really snugs. Yeah. And entirely uh, the reverse of Gorilla Glue, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Gorilla Glue is a great product in certain applications. I I can't see a uh, use for it in, in our hobby. Because, yeah, it does expand, doesn't it? Um, but move, moving along, um, are, I, I take it you're a Mac guy then, or are you running Windows? I'm Mac. Good for you. The, <laughs> the, the, the automaker, uh, as far as I can see, is actually a Java app under the hood, and you can get it for Windows and Linux as well. So if you're if you decide you want a Robox, then the software is is available for all all reasonable persons platforms. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you had mentioned earlier that working in uh, 3D CAD, do you do you make your own STLs or do you modify existing STLs? Uh, anything like that, or you just take them straight off? Ah, uh, well, uh, all manner of things. Um, if you are, as I think I probably mentioned on on Meeples, if you are into fifteen mil or smaller scale tanks, uh, there's a guy called Marcus Bergman, M underscore Bergman on Thingiverse, um, who has a massive range of one one hundred scale and one two hundred scale tanks. Uh, which are designed for 3D printing. He is, by day, as I understand it, he is a um, CAD designer using SolidWorks. So they're all actually designed with a high-end professional CAD system. And between him, Battlefront, Forging Battle, and um, Skytrex, uh, there's pretty much nothing you can't get, either in 3D or plastic mm-hmm. or, or white metal. Uh, he does a lot of the slightly more obscure things that are hard to come by. Um and they're really nicely modelled. The only pain with those is, is as ever, working out which way up to print them so that you don't have to spend half your life removing supports. Right. Um, as for as for designing stuff, um, I've done some buildings. Um, I did a German ship for our East Africa game at Salute this past year, um, and it varies. The buildings I did using SketchUp. Um, which is actually quite all right. There's a SketchUp plugin you can get that will turn a SketchUp file into an, ST- into an STL, mm-hmm. uh, which is brilliant. Um, it's the problem with SketchUp is you have to. Um, it's too easy to wind up with objects that are inside out in in strange and weird ways, um, and if you do that, then it gets it can be they, they won't necessarily turn into 3d objects properly so that was yeah. that was my first exploration into into that kind of thing i then found tinkercad and if you've not played with tinkercad tinkercad is brilliant it's by the autodesk folks um and it's actually a web-based 3d design system 
would you believe? And it actually works really well. The last few things I've had to design, the the German gunboat, for example, was done using Tinkercad, um, and that that exports straight to STL files, and it will also allow you to do useful things like import a two D profile. Um, oh. As if you if you if you can turn your two D profile into an SVG file. Uh, you can import the SVG file and then extrude it, so that get to get, if if that's a good way of starting to get a three D outline, then that's really quite handy. Mm-hmm. The other thing yeah. I'm looking at, but I haven't actually used in anger yet, uh, is an iPad app called ShapeR, S H A P R, S H ShapeR three D, which is designed for the iPad Pro uh, with an Apple Pencil. Um, and I may have commented about this on, on a previous podcast. The thing that's utterly scary about it is it's actually under the hood. It's the 3D modeling engine I used to develop back when I was 25. Um, and when I was 25, you, you said, join this sphere to this cylinder. And you sat back and you waited two minutes, you waited 30 seconds. You said, put a fillet on the edge of the edge of the cube and you waited another 30 seconds. And using the same software and clearly several orders of magnitude more modern hardware, um, if you put a fillet on the edge of the cube, you can actually drag it in real time and make it smaller and larger. <laughs> and, yeah, if you if you are an iPad user and you've got an iPad Pro and Apple Pencil, ShapeR looks absolutely brilliant. Well, damn, I'm going to have to go buy an Apple Pencil. <laughs> you've got a Pro? Yeah, I've got a 10.5-inch iPad Pro. Yeah, I, I just went. I just took one look at that and said, "Stuff this! I'm buying a pen." <laughs> it is absolutely. It is. It is the the as we say in the UK. It is the dog's dangly bit. <laughs> yeah, it looks fabulous. Shape shapeR3D.com. Okay, let me look. Uh, that and up. that I think, if I get to do any um, CAD work from now on, I think I'll be using ShapeR. Uh, because- shape letter R. S H A P R three D dot com. I th- I think to a degree it depends on your mindset. Because of the way I started developing, I'm used to building things by taking a cube, bolting a, bolting a sphere on the end, uniting them, which is why Tinkercad mm-hmm. appeals to me because it works that way, and Shape R works that way. If you're more of a sort of draw services and you want to use something like Blender, um, then I, I just can't get my head around things like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I much prefer building things out of primitives and 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 shaping them up and smoothing the corners and that kind of thing. It just works better. So, so I'm I'm looking at the the website now and the little uh, the yeah uh, that little ro- rolling demo. Yeah, it's like holy crap! I can actually do this. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my point. Yeah, interior of spaceship done. <laughs> well, may, may take you a while. Oh, yeah, but but yes, and the 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 non-professional version will export to SDL in uh, the kind of resolution that you would expect for home three D printing. They do have a pro version, which I think is designed for throwing STL files at something like Shapeways, big expensive yeah. printers with with you know resolution the size of a sub micron resolution. But for for ordinary three D printing, I don't think you need that. And the the software itself is about hundred bucks. Yeah. <clears throat> 
I'm sorry, I've just caused you to spend money, haven't no, I? No, that's that that's okay. That's it's it's no it's no different than when you're on the Meeple's <laughs> podcast, Mike. Yeah, now I can just respond to it. <laughs> yeah. In real time. Yeah, that's one of the good things about the Miller's Tale so far. You've only talked about stuff that I already have. I'm sure I can fix that. <laughs> the oh, only man. the only um, other software I use is um, Autodesk Mesh Mixer, which, at least in theory, is, um, is 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 designed for turning solid files into meshes. But the major thing I use it for is um, it has an auto repair facility. And if someone sends you a slightly slightly flawed STL, or particularly SketchUp is occasionally prone to producing rubbish, um, Mesh Mixer will quite often fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that with... Uh, I, I played a, around a little bit with Idea Maker, and I noticed that it, it'll fix stuff for you also to make sure that uh, the design integrity is there before it commits to turn it into G-code. And uh, it it worked out. It it works everything out, and we haven't had any we haven't had anything Cthuloid show <laughs> anything Mythos inspired get shot at. Get well, shot only, out of <clears throat> only when the uh, the extruder head popped out of the the hot end, and I ended up with um, a bowl of spaghetti that was uh, filament that ran through everything. So. But yeah, n- no, uh, no odd uh, actual print jobs coming out. So we're, we're good there. Okay. Um, well, since you mentioned filament coming out the hot end there, uh, we use uh, 1.75 millimeter uh, PLA. Uh, and actually we're using the Raise 3D brand currently. Um, what What's your... What's your filament of choice, Mike? Um, CEL's branded um, grey PLA. Usually, they it comes. They have this concept called a smart reel, and the reel actually has a little EEPROM on it, which stores the printer settings. So if you buy off them, if you if you attach a reel of CEL um, PLA to the printer, then it will automatically set up your printer with the right head temperature, bed temperature, etc., etc., etc. The nice thing is if you if it doesn't quite work for you, you can change it in Automaker and write them back to the reel. Well, that's handy. Oh wow. And, and it gives you and it gives you a whole library of these and also um there's there's a bit of a community on on their their website whereby people have tried other things, wound them onto empty Robox smart reels. And then worked out what the correct settings are and written to the reel. Mm-hmm. The other one I really like is Polymaker Polywood, which um, Robox or CL also do as one of their own reels, uh, which is what it says. It's it's an artificial wood filament, and it's surprisingly effective. Huh. Now, when you're using that, are there? Okay, I, I should note that PLA is a type of filament that is basically made out of cornstarch mm-hmm. and uh i've i've had good luck with just hitting it with uh with paint um actually the latest stuff if you look on twitter i'll i'll throw a link to the picture on twitter and facebook that i just posted i, I actually 
got some painting done last night. Um, surprisingly, I, I still remember how to pick up a paintbrush. And um, yeah, I just hit those with the uh, with the uh, Vallejo uh, black uh, primer, uh, surface primer, and uh, then just been slapping paint on those. The the best trick is to go get a uh, uh, a filling car primer and start with that. Because that yeah. will lose you some of the striations if you've got layer, layer artifacts. You'll find you'll find that will lose a bit of that, and you can then, even if you want, you can then sand it very lightly. Well, it was considering it was right at when I was painting. Well, when I was priming, it was probably about twenty three degrees Fahrenheit that night, if I recall correctly. <laughs> so, not uh, not the best stuff, uh, but yeah, I'll. Yeah, I'll take a look at some filling, filling primer, and see what we can do with that. Um, and again, it's you know, the lines. I don't really notice the lines. You know, once they pass that three foot test. Yep. Um, now, granted, my style of painting is a combination of wet brush, dry brush type, just slap it on and go. So it it, it does have a tendency to to pick that up a little bit more, but. You know, it's it's good enough for what it's doing. Um, now, are are there any with that wood based uh, filament? Are there any additional precautions you need to take, like keep it away from moisture no, it, or it, anything it, like that? Or is it pretty? It's stable? an artificial wood. I'm not quite sure what it's in it, um, but it, it basically gives you the texture of wood um, in the resulting print, and it's a sort of it's about the same color as MDF when it prints. Oh, okay, and it, it's really quite nice. Does it smell like MDF? Because if it smells like MDF, I'm sorry. No, it's it, sadly, sadly it smells like hot food printer filament. Oh well, dang. Okay, um, it sounds like the machine you're using is a pretty stable beast, and the software you're using is pretty stable. So probably most of the time. Oh, okay, most of the time. So there, there have been some interesting hangups or stumbling blocks or anything mm. like that. Yes, <laughs> my major one care to elaborate my major one for the longest time well I've, I've got two one of which i haven't fixed and one of which i have um building buildings or things with very sharp corners and, and a large flat thing on the base getting them not to curl up at the corners mm, um, yeah it turns out that for that the robox default settings the first layer temperature is slightly too low and in fact, I wound up popping up popping up the first layer temperature by about five degrees, and that seems to have fixed it. And I now now my buildings actually sit flat on the board rather than curling up at the corners. I've got a question for you, mm-hmm. real quick, there, Mike. When you are preparing the bed, do you do you put down a bit of glue stick on the bed? Nope. Okay. Nope. It's, it's <clears throat> CEL's default um, circuit board style bed. It just is what it is. Every now and then, I'll clean it with isopropyl okay. alcohol. But apart from that, it is what it is. Because one thing that I've noticed with uh, with with mine is that if I get some curling, I, I just get a you know Elmer's glue stick, rub it on the on the on the bed to put down a little a little bit of sticky. So when the the PLA comes along, it actually sticks to that, and uh, I find that uh, yeah, that's handy. I, I was- 
as I understand it, the issue is fundamentally the fact that if you don't get the bottom layer to stick good and hard, then the next few layers start yep. to pull it up, as they call. So, yeah, in my case, upping upping the the first layer temperature by about five degrees seemed to do it. Well, I was going to resort to some form of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. The other one I'm told that works is extra hold hairspray. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Now it seems like uh, now that machine does that. You said Wi-Fi is an option. Are you going off Ethernet cable or are you using a USB? Right. Key? The way it works uh, by default is that you run a USB cable cable to your computer, and um, Automaker just goes, "Oh, you appear to have a Robox hanging off the other end of your your, your USB. I shall talk to that." Uh, what they brought out is this thing called a root, which I'm currently actually holding in my hand here, um, which is Raspberry Pi with a Wi-Fi dongle or a network card, your choice, um, and that connects to the the back of the the robox. And then Automaker goes goes as well as knowing to look for printers hanging off the USB port, it knows to look for roboxes on its uh, for routes on its network, and effectively. All it all it does is it proxies the USB ports to um, to the to Automaker over Wi-Fi. Okay. The nice thing about it is that once I've done that, I can I can walk away. I can quit Automaker, um, and I can actually the the root comes with a little web interface which allows me to see how the print job's doing, which is quite nice. Oh, it's quite sweet. Yeah. They did a Kickstarter for those a while back, and it was it was well worth it just just to have a dinky little, it just just to untether the untether the printer effectively. It means I don't have to worry about whether my whether my machine's actually up or not, um, and if I want to check on the status, the the printer's in the office, which is quite a way the other end of the house from where I'm quite often sitting. So just being able to pull up a laptop or a phone and go, has it finished yet? Is really handy. Oh, nice. Yeah, the uh, the Arnold server or the uh arnold printer farm such as it is is uh is operated off of a uh usb key shaped like a certain star wars mandalorian <laughs> so i i like to refer to it as boba net yep complete complete with his own remote hand service <laughs> yeah yeah all he has to do is you know make a phone call and see where it is <laughs> It's almost as good as your setup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Fire up the webcam. <laughs> to be to be honest, the the major problem I've got at the moment is is I cannot get ABS to stick at all. Um, I'd like to do some stuff in ABS because there are, there are a couple of things folks have asked me to do do that are will need to be a bit more durable than PLA, but um. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I don't don't know quite why, but the Robox parameters it provides on the reel for ABS, it just will not stick to the base at all. So that's that's a, one of the things I need to play with and see if I can persuade it to actually what it's meant to do. What's uh, what's the favorite thing you've printed? To be honest, um, a little Christmas decoration. Um, I was. We had um, a bunch of musician friends over here for a house concert, and she was asking about the the three D printer and stuff. So I, I found there's a lovely little sort of round musical Christmas decoration 
on on Ebret on on Thingiverse. So I printed a one in 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 um, Polymaker in in the Polymaker Pollywood as as a thank you present for doing the concert among other things. And she and it's it's a really nice nice little thing. It was just one of those, you know, okay, um, cool. and and the other advantage of it is essentially it's extruded two D, so it it came out really nicely because no layer effects, no nothing. It just comes out looking right. like a little piece of wood you can hang on the Christmas tree, and we have so much so I printed out one for our Christmas tree as well. Yeah, nice. Um, now, do you print anything for club stuff or anything for your butt? For um, gaming I have like a reproduction license with Marcus Bergman, so if anybody wants any of his three D designs on Thingiverse, um, I have permission to sell them um, for his very reasonable rates, which basically involve a percentage as a donation to his favourite charity. Um, so I, I do odd things for clubs and people. You pick, the club, quite often folks will come to the club and say, Mike, do you know can, do you know how to get it? Can you get hold of a this in this in 1-100th? And I say, uh, hang on a sec. Go through Marcus Bergman's catalogue. <laughs> yeah, I can. <clears throat> So quite often, quite often, that's the that's the usual reason for doing stuff. Um, I did um, some English Civil War <clears throat> Wikigabians for um, a siege game at club that Graham was running for our ECW campaign. Um, again, just grab more thingiverse, and I did do as I think I mentioned a couple of times. We did a big club game at Salute, and there's a big two part German. German um, gunboat that got printed for that. It's quite nice when you when people say pe- people say how did you do that? I said it was three D printed. It usually gets gets them talking. Yeah, yeah, cool. I I think that the what I'm most happy with are are the French farmhouses that uh, we printed and painted for our what a tanker table. That that that's a thing and... design, isn't it? Or did you do that? No, that was uh, we bought that we bought those STLs. Who oh, buy that's the from? winter mm-hmm. thing. The the guys the guys in New Zealand. I honestly don't remember. No, I. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> there was there was a Kickstarter. Oh gosh, we managed to get this far without mentioning the word Kickstarter. How's that? Well, <laughs> there there was a Kickstarter recent, not not that recently. In fact, it was probably the first one I I subscribed to, um, who did a whole bunch of 3D buildings of various sorts. Um, and I grabbed that just because they had some really, really nice... Printable um, scenery. What's the word? Um, really, really nice design. Printable scenery, that's them! Yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. aware that they were from New Zealand. Uh. But... <laughs> okay. they, are, they, they, are, they are New Zealanders. Um that's the name of that company that we bought that scenery that we exactly. printed. Printable. <laughs> that, that, that. that printable scenery that we bought. That will be printable scenery then. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, they've got some quite yes. nice things. Um, and... they did, they, yeah. They've got some lovely stuff. Um, but they yeah. did um, that, a, did a Kickstarter. If it was the Apocalypse Ruins Kickstarter, which did a whole bunch of World War Two and slightly Warhammery and slightly medieval stuff, um, mm-hmm. I have as part of that. And I'm at some point when 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 I've got this printer behaving itself reliably, there's the most massive set of SDL files for a 28 mil um, 
frigate, as in big thing with sails. Right. Um, it's it's about fifteen files, um, and I'm I'm very very tempted to put get that built for a for a sort of semi naval action with sharp practice. Cool. Sure. Yeah, I'll be way cool. I just dread to think how long it'll take to print. Yeah, yeah. Well, just well, you wouldn't want to print the rigging. I no, guess. you just lay that with string, and I think the mass and the mass yeah. you do with a couple of links of dowel. But apart from that, the whole yeah. the whole whole of it is 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 several. It's in quotes large multi part model. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what would uh, what one piece of advice do you wish you had before you or when you started um this thing takes longer than you think it does <laughs> don't expect instant results um and even if you wind up with a printer that's at least in theory if like the robox or the da- the da vinci's that are very much open the box and and it should just work. It won't necessarily. You will need a certain degree of familiarity with with how the thing works to get around some of the teething troubles. Mm-hmm. I were I doing it again, I'd be sorely tempted by an Ender three, which seemed to be the in thing that people are using buying at the moment. It's a bit more mm-hmm. Linuxy, if you like, in that it is it's an open frame printer. But there's a lot of the folks who are using. Who've who've got some of the kickstarters for things like um, dungeon tiles and the like are using that and getting and they're even apparently printing figures with it. Somebody's got a set of a set of slicer settings and and head in settings that will actually produce quite convincing three D figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a fascinating aspect of the hobby currently and. I, I just foresee things getting better and better and better and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And I don't think, I don't think the, any, any of the figure manufacturers have anything to fear necessarily. Um, I think there'll always be a, a place for that. But for those of us who want to kind of go out on our own and push the envelope, it's, I think it's a pretty exciting yeah, time. I think if you're looking for something that, um, Will sort of a way of producing things which I think what a friend of mine would affectionately call the gaslit end of the hobby, like um, you know really obscure Sherman variants or that that weird SDKF seven with something completely odd stuck on the back of it. That there's yeah. no way that Plastic Soldier Company or Battlefront are going to make one. And and mm-hmm. taking taking something like one of Marcus Bergman's designs or like and doing what you need to do to it to make it work. And then three D printing it is probably the only way you're going to get one. Uh, it's similar. Uh, it's one of the things I, I expect to see with the model railway hobby, um, is that the ready to run manufacturers are very much constrained to the fact that they've got to produce something that will sell. And if you're right. modelling something that isn't in in the UK's case, if you're not modelling 1950s, 1960s British railways, then the ready to run manufacturers are not going to make you it. Um, Mm-hmm. And currently, your choices are huh. expensive etched brass at about 150 quid a coach, or waiting till you can 3D, or waiting till you can 3D print one. Right. And I'm quite looking forward to 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 that. I think it's going to happen. And the the faster, uh, as it's clear that the, the hobby's progressed already, 
I mean, if you look at the, the number of people with 3D printers now who didn't have them before, the fact that the resolution of even for the filament ones is is dropping, so you can get mm-hmm. thinner and thinner layers. And the uh, the next stage is which is the resin ones are getting cheaper and cheaper. And it's just going to take off. It's just going to get better and better as you go along. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, gents, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, I think anyone who is interested in 3D printing, if you go back, listen to our episode with Tim, uh, listen to this one. I think you're, you've got a, you might have a good idea of where to start. I, I can't understate um, the importance of just getting out there and finding either Facebook groups or even if there is a Yahoo group or anything like that, uh, you know, Twitter and all those other social media places to to discuss these topics in depth because, you know, that's really where you're going to be able to find stuff out uh, relatively quickly and <coughs> hopefully you find a, a good friendly group with uh, folks that want to spread this particular aspect of, of hobbying and uh get some information that way and it's never a bad idea to get information about you know whatever you're wanting to pursue and you know like i said i can't understate the importance of you know getting out there and finding the information you need so one of the things i'd say is if you're starting the hobby now um there's a lot of community support for the end of 3d end of three i'd give particularly since the thing is only 250 bucks um, and a lot of people are using it, and it's got that take up because a lot because people are using it. People see it being used on the Facebook groups, and more people use it. And it's also got about twice the print bed size of my CEL. <laughs> it's, it's it basically it's an eight inch cube. Um, it's 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 an exposed printer, so you are going to have to find a place to put it that doesn't cause you to cause your other half to have problems with filament smells and the like. But I think I. Would be very tempting if, if I was starting now. I'd go for an end of three. I think for all it's a for all it involves, it requires you to do a bit of engineering, right? Yeah. All righty. Well, on that note, again, gents, thanks for coming on the show. I do appreciate it. Been a pleasure. Uh, look forward to. I look forward to hearing more uh, Miller's Tale, Mike. Um, look forward to watching more Rambles, Chris, and. Uh, on that note, as always, if the wargaming you're having isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. The Veteran Wargamer is copyright J. Arnold 2019. Music courtesy of freemusicarchive.com. <laughs>